Mayday is brought to you by our October podcast partners. Our small business podcast partner this month is jordandene.com. That is jordan, D-E-N-E.com. Uh, she runs an apparel and accessories company. Uh, it is fantastic stuff. If you have a fandom, you should go check this out. Uh, this is functional fandom items. So these are t-shirts, accessories, aprons, all kinds of great things that are themed around fandoms but aren't your everyday looking stuff. Uh, you can wear this stuff every day. They're totally fashionable and functional, and I think you will really like what you see. If you have children, they have a kids section that has all kinds of cool stuff. Onesies, kids t-shirts, uh, crayon bandoliers, which I think are one of the coolest, most unique things I've ever seen. So definitely go check them out. Uh, JordanDenae.com. Once again, it's J-O-R-D-A-N, like Jordan, uh, D-E-N-E.com. Our organization podcast partner this month is NARAL Missouri. They are Missouri's largest grassroots pro-choice organization working to protect a woman's right to a full range of reproductive health care for over 40 years. They are doing some amazing work. Um, You might have seen us live stream uh, an event that they were at where they had their handmade protest group. Look for more on that as the month goes on. For more information about them, you can go to ProChoiceMissouri.org. That's ProChoiceMissouri.org to get more information about NARAL, Missouri. Lastly, our wild card, and this one I am very excited to introduce you all to. Um, It is called Geek Girl Brunch. You can find out all about them if you visit their website, geekgirlbrunch.com. This was something that is really cool, very grassroots, started uh, up in New York City by three women who were looking to start a women's only uh, brunch group to just talk about geeky stuff and do geeky stuff with fandoms and all kinds of things. Uh, so now it has kind of exploded and they have chapters all over the country in the United States. There might be one in your city. You don't know. Um, or a lot of international. There's some in Iceland, Tokyo, just all over the place. So you can visit them, geekgirlbrunch.com. They have a map and a list of their chapters. You can also apply to start a chapter in your city if this is something you are interested in. Um, so visit geekgirlbrunch.com, find your local chapter or start a local chapter. That is geekgirlbrunch.com. Check them out. So once again, those are our October podcast partners. Thank you to all of them, and we're really excited to promote them and push out some uh, good people doing really cool stuff. This is Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Justin from Mayday. Uh, brief introduction here. This is going to be a two-part interview. This is part one uh, with Irish professor from the University College Dublin, Deirdre Flynn. Uh, she caught up with us because she followed us on Twitter, and I hit her up and said, hey, thanks for following us, and we got to talking, and it turns out she is a college professor teaching The Handmaid's Tale as part of a dystopian novel series, and is also presenting at a conference that had to do with The Handmaid's Tale TV show, so we only thought it appropriate for her to join the show and talk to us about all the things that she was doing with The Handmaid's Tale, so please enjoy this. Once again, this is Deirdre Flynn. A professor at the University College of Dublin and talking all about her involvement with The Handmaid's Tale. Hello, welcome. This is Justin from Mayday, The Handmaid's Tale podcast. Today we have a very special guest to talk about uh, the Irish take and the Irish happenings of The Handmaid's Tale. Joining me today on the line is Deirdre Flynn. She is a professor at University College Dublin. I ran into her uh, very much by accident on Twitter. She had followed us on the podcast's Twitter account. And I said, hey, thanks for following us. How did you hear about us? And Deidre said, hey, I'm teaching a dystopian um, novel class. 
and Handmaid's Tale is highly involved. And I've also been listening to your podcast, which is still weird to hear people say. Uh, so we got to talking and I wanted to have her on the show for a variety of reasons that we'll talk about. So Deirdre, how are you doing today? I'm great, Justin. Thank you for having me on. No, uh, it's awesome. I always love when things kind of happen this way where I just, uh, you know, out of happenstance kind of run into people and yeah. find interesting ways to get them involved. So tell everyone what you teach at the University College of Dublin. So um, I teach a number of different classes, but this semester I teach a, a module called Theatres of Change, looking at theatre that is involved in some sort of change, either aesthetic or social. Um, I'm also involved in a module called The Body in Pain in Irish Literature and Culture. And the most important one, of course, is a module called uh, contemporary dystopian uh, fiction which is the one uh, where we ended up meeting and talking as a result of and so let's talk about that class and obviously with the handmaid's tale uh being released and i know given the nature of the topics of uh, you know abortion and women's health and women's rights in ireland specifically that it was very popular there um which is one of the reasons i kind of came across um so much stuff about Ireland and women's rights. And I, I did not know a lot about it, to be honest. So it's been very interesting seeing the scope and uh, the differences between the United States and other countries and Ireland. Um, and so did you, had you decided to do this class uh, with the dystopian and handmaid's tale prior to all of this coming out with the, with the TV show? I no, it was the TV show encouraged me to uh, to make sure I put that on the on the module because I thought the, that they're hearing about it, they're hearing more about the Handmaid's Tale, um, and, and a lot of these students are you know coming in at first year, they're eighteen, they're nineteen, so they may not have heard of the Handmaid's Tale before or had read about you know had read the novel before, um, and when the TV show came out and it came out just over the summer uh, on Channel Four. Um, and I knew it was coming uh, to TV over here that I knew that it would be the ideal thing to put on a, a, a module because it would immediately pique their interest. But it's interesting because as I talk to them about it, it's becoming much more popular over here. And during the week, um, the new committee to meet in relation to repealing the Eighth Amendment, which is uh, where um, our, our anti-abortion law is uh, enshrined in our constitution, there isn't a talk about having a referendum to change it there was at their first meeting a bunch of women dressed up as handmaids uh, who protested outside our parliament building the doll during the week so it was even more uh, poignant that we were talking about it this week as that protest happened that's fantastic and so when the students the, did, you, did this make your class a little more popular yeah I, we, uh, we had a smaller number um um, kind of limit on the students we could take but it, it was actually so popular we had to increase the number for it um, so students from all different levels of um, the arts can take the class um, uh, from first year to they finish their BA uh, so it was great we had a re really big interest in it and the class this week we were talking about the Hamid's Tale and the class was just so enthused about everything about it and discussing why uh, dystopia was so popular um, and why people are so interested in it and they were saying to me the students were saying to me like, they didn't they never expected maybe 10 or 15 years ago that you would sit in class discussing American politics and uh, you know the how things are how the world is going and world politics uh, 10, 15 years ago. But now they, it's so important that they need to be talking about it in an English 
module in university. So I thought that was really interesting that they're so fascinated by it, but finding um, relevance in 1985 in the States um, or in Canada uh, that has relevance to Ireland in which I think is really fascinating like, that they can find something that can cut to the bone, uh, like The Handmaid's Tale, when you see laws in Ireland that are restrictive of uh, women's bodily autonomy, um, been something that's very much in the news, and then thinking of what's happening in The Handmaid's Tale, been so relevant to them so many years later. Most of them weren't born when the book was written, so sure. it's fascinating. And so that was going to be one of our first questions here is, so the students that choose to take this class, aside from the ones that, you know, saw The Handmaid's Tale show and were like, oh, this would be great that, you know, this class is incorporating this. What have been the variety of reasons? Because I'm sure not all, everybody is in there to just to talk about the politics and the current events side of the dystopian thing. So what, what are the, the variety of reasons you've seen for your students taking the course? I think as well, um, it's always nice to have contemporary literature on a course, you know, books that they have heard of, that writers that they're that they're aware of, that are still alive today, that are still writing. And sometimes it, it's nice to hear stuff that's very relevant to them. You know, there's a huge growth in young adult dystopian fiction, like uh, The Hunger Games. So this is a way, I suppose, for them to see why there's a growth in it. Why was 1984 the biggest selling book during the summer on Amazon? What is the con- the contemporary dystopian novel telling us about our lives uh, and where they're going? And I think these students are are politically aware and interested. You know, they they said to me in the first class that you know they're able to access so much information about what's going on in the world, and therefore it can seem like a much more frightening place than maybe it seemed. 50 or 60 years ago when you didn't have access to all that international world news at your fingertips in, in in real time that now all of this stuff is happening and they're learning so much more that they feel that they um want to know what how writers are responding to that and how they're representing that in the works that they're writing and are they are these novels warnings or are they um blueprints or are they uh ways for us to help understand our society better so so i think that's kind of some of the reasons they're coming into it sure so what have you seen them get out of it so uh, you this course is completed correct this was last no 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 we're still on it you're doing it right now oh excellent excellent Yes. So, so yeah. let me ask you then, since you're right in the middle of it, what have you seen from, say, the beginning of someone coming into this course, reading a few of these books already? What uh, what are they getting out of it? What have you seen as far as their insights and anything that changed in their perception or their opinions? I think they're seeing how, first of all, with Amy Taylor, how a book from 1985 can still be very relevant to them a number of years later and can have... Um, it can have a number of warnings for them. Um, I think a lot of them were really interested in how people didn't stand up and stop what was going on around them. Uh, and that was really fascinating to them. Um, and I think as well, one of the books that we have on the on the module is Octavia e. Butler's Parable of the Sower. And a lot of them have found that really like a very frightening novel to read um, as well, that the Parable of the Sower is such a, it, it's so, it could be written about this, time right now um again written in the 90s um and they're finding so real, real quick, it not really interesting not to interrupt yeah. but if you give us give our listeners and for me because i i have heard of that book but i've not read that so give us a brief rundown on the synopsis of the parable of the sower it's about a young girl who's living in a kind of a gated community um and a, a, they are 
going through the, like object poverty, uh, it's very hard to get work, particularly if you're a person of colour uh, or in a mixed race marriage. And uh, they are kind of trying to, um, there's huge unemployment, huge poverty. And a lot of the towns and jobs are owned by large corporations uh, corporations, and um, you end up signing up to live with the, cor the, the, the company and paying to work for them and just being able to get by. And this young girl is living here with her family in this kind of community where they're trying to provide for themselves off the, the small patches of grass that they own. They're, you know, they, do, they can't afford new windows, they can't afford shoes. And um you know slowly but surely um the the people outside of their community who are mainly homeless or involved in or have no work can have very little access to healthcare or education are coming in at night and taking their stuff and they have to move and go on the road um and at the time they have this new president that's just been elected and promises to make the country great again and his name is president donner um and stop it. it's, you can just stop talking right yeah, now that is, it's that's so already the most terrifying thing i've ever heard yeah it's and you just you feel it you feel it coming you know you just feel oh my god these things are happening closer and closer we're selling ourselves to com big companies all the time and bits of our information and oh it's and the, we they own us and we're indebted for life and our children will be indebted for our debt oh it's unbelievable um unbelievably frightening as well so, so when, it's it's really when, interesting so when you get into a book like that that really is like <laughs> not that far around the curb if things don't improve um what is the reaction that you see i know when i read the handmaid's tale because i did not read the handmaid's tale until this past uh winter before the show aired and it blew me away with how you know it could have been written yesterday and it would all still be relevant yeah. And it, it, does it take them by surprise how relevant a lot of this is? Yes, it does. And I, they, like, they seem to be very, as I say, politically aware and politically interested. And I think it, it's frightening to them when you read something like that, that was written as, like 20, 30 years ago, and that it could be so true to life, that this has been something that people have been saying, this could happen, and you're watching it happen around you closer and closer and I think for them it's a real warning that they, they need to we need to be very aware of this we need to stand up we need to protest we need to make sure that we're politically active or that we are aware of these things um, and then we're not just reading about these these novels where these things happen that we're actually don't happen if you know what I mean that we're right. using them working um, towards to solution, solution based actionable change yeah, exactly. Like thinking, how do you, how, if fertility is um, in trouble, like what do we do? How do we encourage uh, families to have more children? And how do we, how do we make it much easier for people to have that lifestyle if they want to ha have children, but also be able to afford to live? But I think it's 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 interesting for them. Like it's frightening for them to, to oh, watch this, but it, they're sure. fascinated by it. I'm sure because when you're that young, I mean, you're you know you're you you think you know a lot especially when you're coming into college and your exposure to the world even today with so much uh, media access is still relatively limited especially yeah. uh, within context to things that have happened in the past and maybe they just are unaware of or things in areas of society that they just haven't been exposed to so have you actually seen in the students that you're teaching right now them moving towards things that are you know protests actionable change you know going beyond the book and the course 
I'm wondering, and I think that's something we're going to talk about towards the end, what they will do. I think that's something I want to see if it, if it is something that makes them become more politically active um, or how they will use the information that they've got from these novels. And if if it does make them take a step forward in some sort of way. And I think that's something that we'll probably discuss at the very end of the module as we come close to the end to see how it, it might impact their behaviour in the future um, or towards the end of the class have they in some way changed anything that they, they they've been involved in or got involved with somebody else we talked in relation to the handmaid's tale how luke doesn't get up and protest in relation to june or moira um losing their rights and their their freedoms and their um, their money to see you know can we find other relevant things that are happening with us that, 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 that they could say okay we need to make a change on this because it could be us next if we don't do it so talk to me about how you put this list together for the class. Uh, what was your criteria? And talk about some of the other uh, novels that you've incorporated. So I wanted to make sure that we got a really broad sense, that I wasn't just looking at Irish novels or UK novels, um, that I wanted to get something that show and, and to show a, a range of different um types of dystopia in some sense. Um, so we started with The Hamid's Tale because of the TV show and I thought it was a good start. It's 37 years ago that it was published. So I felt that was about, that made it pretty contemporary. There was the television program um, and I felt that that kind of made it contemporary again for them um, and made an interesting start. Um, the second novel then we went and we went in in time chronologically. So the second novel we've picked is um, Haruki Murakami's uh, Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. I wanted to give give them an example of something that wasn't particularly Western either. So to look at something like that, and it, it's a fabulous novel. Um, and it is a set in Japan in, uh, he wrote it in 1985. Um, I think it was translated then in 1991. And it is about a man who works as a calcutex, so like a human computer for a company um, who have basically controlled his mind and played around with his brain so that he would be of better use to that company. Um, at the same time, there's another world, an alternating world happening, uh, kind of set in like a nearly like a, a walled town, post-war walled town, where there's not much technology whatsoever. Um, and you have to kind of leave behind part of yourself, your shadow, in order to live in that town and lose your memories and lose um, your extreme emotions so that you can live there forever. And these two worlds that are happening at the same time end up colliding towards the end. It's a really, really fascinating novel, but dealing with technology and again, maybe the kind of isolated postmodern existence. Third novel then is Parable of the Sower, Octavia E. Butler. And I think it really interestingly deals with race and also religion um, in America. And I think, again, because of its frightening nature when you read it, it's just such a fascinating novel. I think it makes a really good um, case for uh, something that's very close to the bone, that's very realistic, but really importantly deals with race. And I think that's another really important theme that sometimes get can might get left to the side in some of the dystopian um, novels, because a lot of them seem to be, can, can be very white and male. Um, so this is, a, I think it's a really interesting one. The third novel, or the fourth novel then, is Sarah Hall's The Carhulian Army, which was released in the States as Daughters of the North. 
Um, and it's said in the UK uh, in 2007, she wrote it. And again, just in a couple of years time, we're dealing with austerity in the UK. Um, there's been a war and the UK has lost and they're very dependent on the states. There's been, um, the population has been controlled. People live in poverty. And it's about one woman who leaves to go to this Carhulian army who live in the north of England um, in the hope that uh, she will find a kind of a group of women who are working there together um, kind of as a resistance. But uh, in some way dealing with a woman who decides to turn to terrorism in some way to escape the situation that she's in and why maybe we turn to these, to we turn against the system and why we how we deal with um, austerity in some way. The fifth novel is... Um, Kevin Barry's City of Bohan. Um, Kevin Barry, the Irish writer, um, he um, he wrote it. It's set in 2053 in the west of Ireland, uh, and kind of um, he talks about this last time that has happened, and now there's no more juice. So again, dealing with kind of issues of um, of, of fossil fuels disappearing, um, but in a very violent kind of future. And then the final one we finished with, it, we'll finish with is. Um, Emily St. John Mandel's Station Eleven, which is a really fantastic, um, it's about a pandemic. So a really totally different kind of style of dystopian future, but a really fascinating one as well. Um, and it's supposed to, it only came out in 2014, so it's uh, pretty new as well. I think you did a great job there of covering kind of all the possible terrible ways that the world could be terrible. You know, pandemics, <laughs> technology... <laughs> You know, all of it is all there. So good job. Um, I'm sure your students will be <laughs> thoroughly terrified uh, with the state of the world. Uh, they probably should be. That's probably good because um, sometimes yeah. that's what it takes to uh, make things happen, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but I think as well, a lot of them, and particularly Station Eleven, there's a lovely sense of hope in some of these novels um, as well. And I think that's really important, the, the sense of resistance, that resistance can be positive and can can be can make things happen um, and hope is important too throughout all of these things thanks for joining us everyone please head over to allconsumingcontent.com for more great podcasts you can check out Back to the Money Bin a DuckTales podcast Player vs. Player podcast and Blues Hockey podcast you can also check out our radio station at Handmaid's Resistance Radio that is on Slacker Radio or for free on the Slacker app <laughs>